Tea Pop, Season 4, Episode 4. Hello and welcome to Tea Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about lesson planning with context is teacher trainer Jenny Fung. Jenny has been a TESOL instructor since 2014 and is one of the experienced trainers for the Trinity Cert TESOL course in Hong Kong. Her interests include how language learning can be improved in the classroom. This is something that she enjoys experimenting with and developing in her own lessons. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Hi, nice to be here. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of setting and developing context in lessons to support learners' understanding and use of language. We're going to reflect on common challenges that pre-made lesson materials, such as course books, can present to teachers and learners. And finally, we're going to explore key points to bear in mind when selecting and exploring a context as part of the lesson planning process. Before we get into why context is important and how to set it, I think it's important to define what it is. So in researching for this episode, we went to Thornbury's A to Z of ELT for a quick definition of context. And in that book, he says, the situational context, also context of situation, context of use, is a physical and temporal setting in which an instance of language occurs. Jenny, how would you put that in layman's terms, uh, Thornbury's definition? It would be how to use the language uh, in a real life situation or as authentic as possible. Um, So, for example, the context or the theme of the lesson uh, was ordering in a shop or ordering in a coffee shop to be more specific then the language that you would use for that would be um i would like da 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 may i please have da 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 so that kind of functional language is useful in that particular context of ordering in a coffee shop why is context so important when planning and teaching a language lesson Really good question. Um, For sure, I think if lessons didn't have uh, a context, it would be hard to uh, be able to teach language meaningfully. Uh, So for example, um, a few weeks ago, I just did uh, a session on modals and and modal verbs and and how to best sort of present them. And what was interesting in that session with our trainees is that initially they thought that they could teach all the modals uh, in any kind of context. What transpired is that they weren't too sure on what the different functions were and how to group modals according to function and therefore how to sort of create a context according to it. And they they really learned a lot from, from that particular session uh, because the categorization and the grouping of those modals uh, made everything a lot more concise for them. The, the major point of development for them was that at the beginning, they their initial idea was that um, everything, you could teach all of them sort of in, in an hour and it'd be really easy for them to complete. But as they did the exercises uh, in terms of like coming at a lesson from the perspective of a student, uh, they quickly realized that, ah, so this model works with that one, but it could also work with this. So like could, for example, um, could you tell me where the bank is? That same word could also works for something else. Like uh, I could play the guitar when I was three. So when I proposed that counterexample for them with a different context and a different function, they were like, ah, and I think it's a really easy thing for like, especially uh, native speakers of English to sort of forget because we use those words in so many different ways and so naturally as well that we sort of naturally forget uh, that they could be isolated like this within a certain context. 
So in terms of going back to that question and talking about why context is so important, it's because it really anchors the meaning of the language for our learners and making that language much more accessible for them as well so that they know how to use it not only in the classroom in that sort of controlled semi-authentic environment but how to take that out of the classroom and try to use it in real world um, in real life as well. Mm. I think that was a really interesting example that you gave about the trainees like trying to cram just a part of speech in this case modal verbs into one lesson and just how overwhelming that was for them as they went through the session and then that helped them identify it be overwhelming for their learners too. Yeah, for sure. It was really interesting to see them develop in that sense as well because it, it's not that they didn't know, it's just they weren't aware, right? So mm. they knew everything. It was just uh, like the trainer trying to highlight certain things and to make them go down that path as a learner because mm-hmm. um, I think that empathy sort of angle is also really important for us to understand why context is so important for sure. One of the things I mentioned when introducing this podcast were course books because often we use them as teacher trainers and trainee teachers use them as well. What are some of the challenges you and fellow teachers have experienced when using course book materials? Most predominantly it's going to be using those materials and using that particular context and adapting them to the demographic that you're teaching. So we only teach sort of adults here, whereas a lot of our trainees are coming from maybe secondary schools or primary schools. And the difficulty that they've got with it is assuming that because it's published that it's sort of like gospel, right? And uh, what tends to happen is that they take these contexts and they try to, again, shoehorn them, right, to fit whatever demographic that they're teaching, but it doesn't always work. Um, Say, for example, again, a few weeks ago, we had a trainee who came to me saying, once I finished the course, I've got all these sort of scans from all these like course books, and I've got like ideas and whatever, but how do I adapt them to this primary school, this local primary school that I'm teaching? And I, I said, you're right, it is going to be difficult. You, you can't always take exactly what you've learned on, on here and apply it directly, right, in terms of context, in terms of like tasks and that sort of thing. So what you've got to do is you, you take that coursework as a springboard, as a source of inspiration, and you've got to learn to be able to, to conduct your own research and try to either tailor it up or tailor it down according to whatever age group that you're teaching. And you have to be able to kind of do your own research when it comes to what you think would be most beneficial for your teenage learners, for example, um, or what would be most motivating for your younger learners. Like You have to do that research yourself as well. You can't only depend on the things that you've picked up uh, and rely on that in order to motivate your learners intrinsically. I I don't think that's going to be possible. And another major thing as well is uh, on the CERTESOL, a lot of our trainers, like they're encouraged to use coursework, which is great. And we definitely do do that. But what tends to happen again is that they take that task progression, which is in the coursebook, because coursebook editors and, and writers, they have to sort of cater and touch upon so many sort of different areas within a certain chapter, right? And like grammar, vocabulary, and a bit of pronunciation in there, a bit of listening, and the progression of the tasks that are in there. There's just too many areas of focus for an hour's lesson for our trainees. And what the trainees don't understand is that when they take it straight from the book, when they go step by step according to page 67 to 68, 
and they're not really intentionally thinking about why this task is important in order to support their main aim or why it doesn't complete it exactly. It sort of derails it like quite a lot. For me, that's the biggest danger of, of taking things away from coursebooks. Not that the context isn't important, but that they, they take exercise one, then exercise two, and then exercise three. And they just go according to that without really thinking about how it's going to benefit your learners, how it's going to help them in this particular context, how that particular focus is going to help them achieve uh, the main aim for that lesson. We've talked about what context is, why it's important, some of the challenges that course books can present to us. So I know you have like five tips for our listeners to take away today. What should we bear in mind when we're selecting and planning with context? The first tip would be to choose a context which is highly relevant to your learners. Um, I think the main reason for this is so that there's more like an intrinsic motivation for your learners to want to achieve uh, whatever goals that you've set in the actual lesson itself. Second, uh, we could say that you could pin down on that context, really put a lot of focus on it and reflect on what kind of language you want the learners to be producing within that, right? You've got to really think about, does the language fit into the context that I've chosen for my particular learners? And then you've got to think about what kind of tasks uh, would lend itself to the language being used. Thirdly, if there's nothing else uh, that people take away from this, it would be the following sort of uh, tip. It would be to, to plan backwards. And what I mean by that is to think of that final task, the really sort of big task in your lesson where you want your learners to use that language as authentically as possible, as free as possible, and then sort of plan backwards from that. Now, what I mean by plan backwards is to, one, think of the language that they're going to use. Uh, think of the grammar structures that's going to help them achieve that. Think of how they need to practice pronunciation with it too. Any kind of lexis that would be useful in achieving that goal as well. Another way to look at it is from a more visual kind of way. So the heart of your lesson is going to be that final production task. And then planning backwards, those would be the things that surround it. And the things that surround it would be the things that help you achieve, um, that connect uh, to that heart of the lesson. After that, I would say definitely you've got to research that target language. You have to be prepared. There was a lesson I taught a few years ago uh, when I was doing the, uh, what was it, the second conditional, I believe it was, right? And I had researched the hell out of that. I was like, okay, this is how you do it. This is the form. That's potential pronunciation area that we could cover. But what I didn't do, what I didn't anticipate either, is that the learners would ask, well, what's the difference between second and third? And I go, oh, uh, right. Okay. So let me get back to you on that. Because uh, at the time, uh, I didn't know what the third conditional was or how it compared to the second conditional. I had only done the second. And for me, that was a turning point for me because I was like, all right, so maybe I did my research on this one, but I did compare to the other ones. And I, I didn't want that sort of situation to ever happen again. Um, not only because of my pride, I mean, for sure that was part of it, but it was definitely also because I wanted to help these learners because they'd obviously been exposed to it before, but they hadn't gotten good grasp on it or like a good comparative grasp on, on that sort of thing. And I wanted to help them. So in the next lesson that I did about second conditionals, I made sure to research the third and the first and the, the zero conditional and also uh, the mixed ones. And actually what happened was, it wasn't that lesson, but a few lessons after that, someone asked me, what's the difference between second and first? And I was like, ah, oh, I've done research about this. So I can answer that question. It felt awesome to be able to do it on the spot, even if it wasn't the main target 
uh, for, for that lesson. The final tip that I have for people is to be flexible with your plan as well. A lot of stuff can go awry and we have to be able to go with the flow to a certain extent. Answer those questions where the learners are going to ask about emergent language or like that situation that I mentioned before about the third conditional comparative, right? So long as it doesn't take away too much from the main aim of your lesson, it's all right to go down that road. It's all right to maybe forego a couple of tasks if you feel as though they're a bit more superfluous compared to the main task or the main sort of practice task that you wanted to do before Uh, the main one thanks jenny it's been great talking to you on the show thank you for sharing your ideas and tips thank you too awesome being here as always if you have a question or an idea to pitch then you can get in touch with us via facebook instagram or the website tsopop.com if you love what we do at tsopop then you can support us by posting a rating review wherever you listen to podcasts sharing content with your teaching community or by even sponsoring our coffee break at ko-fi.com forward slash tsopop We'd most certainly appreciate that.